The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You Podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. Uh, so excited today, Bobby Marks. ESPN front office insider is going to join us today to do a master class of what's been going on in the NBA over the last few months from trade to free agent signings to putting rosters together for this season. So after this quick timeout, we'll be back with Bobby Marks. The Huddle Breakthrough Summit is a free digital leadership summit designed to develop and celebrate women in sports. Register now and join us on December 14th and 15th to hear from the top industry leaders in sports and network virtually with your peers. Sign up at www.breakthroughsummit.live. See you there. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Here with NBA and ESPN front office insider, Bobby Marks. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, today uh, with the season training camp starting uh, today and, you know, in, on the tw- December 22nd, we're going to tip off an insane 72-game schedule. And we're going to go like hell till the end of July, I guess. And uh, it's going to be wild. So I figured for our fans in over 100 countries that we have, let's do the Bobby Marks Masterclass. I love (laughs) masterclasses. That's the way I learn nowadays. And so I, having been in the NBA for 30 plus years, I have so many questions of what went on during the draft, the free agency period. I know some of our fans do, so we're we're going to go quick and fast. Is that okay with you? That sounds good. Let's go. All right. Okay. So the thing, having been a long time front office exec, uh, you you get a team. Uh, you, the Lakers just won, and now how do you build an NBA team? Depending on you know what you're trying to accomplish, how do you build? Yeah, that? I mean, I think there's different. There are certainly different resources and mechanisms mechanisms to do that. You can. Certainly do it through the draft. You know, the Lakers uh, had a draft pick this year in the first round, but they wind up 
uh, trading that and Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder uh, to kind of bring in a, a point guard, more of a kind of a primarily ball handler. Um, a team like the Lakers that were not uh, under the salary cap, like Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, New York, teams, Detroit, teams like that, they're limited as far as what exceptions they have. Um, for the Lakers, they had their, we call it the full mid-level exception, which was at $9.3 million. They also had the, the biannual exception, which is at $3.6 million. So when you saw Montrez Harrell sign there, you're figuring out, well, how did they do it? Right? Sure. How did the team that has committed you know, $80 million to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, how did they go out and, and sign a player? And they have this exception that's uh, teams that are under um, – you know, under the, I guess it's the, the apron has the access to that. So Harold goes for the 9.3 million mid-level. Wes Matthews comes in at the biannual exception, which is at 3.6 million. And now you're just filling out your roster with, um, you know, minimum salaries. You saw Marcus Soule sign there, Jared Dudley sign there. The interesting coach thing, coach, though, is that when you use more than $5.7 million of your mid-level, you hard cap yourself. And if you, if you follow me on Twitter, I always say, you know, that team is now hard capped. Yeah. What that means is that the Lakers, it, it's a number. It's a hard number. The, the salary cap, it's a soft cap. You can exceed the cap to, to re-sign your own players. But now what the Lakers have done is they've hard capped themselves. They've done it. Uh, Milwaukee has done it. Houston has done it. So, one thirty-eight point nine million is the number that you cannot exceed. If you look at the if the at the Lakers um, finances right now, I believe they're like uh, like one point three million below it, right? And they've got fourteen players, thirteen players under contract. So it's a hard number. Um, you cannot exceed it for any circumstances during the year. Um, they're going to be they'll, they'll be carrying fourteen players, Milwaukee. You saw them the night of the draft go out and buy draft picks because um, they have lower value. They're, I think they're about 100000 below the hard cap. Um, but yeah, there's different ways that you can build out the roster. If someone's listening and say, well, wait a minute, you know, Anthony Davis just signed this five-year $190 million uh, contract. How could they sign him if they're over the, over the, uh, the salary cap? And Davis has accrued what we call bird rights. So he's been on um, – he's either had uh, three years – Either um, in in New Orleans uh, on on a contract that was eventually traded, bird rights carries to the Lakers, so that means now he could be signed uh, and exceed uh, the salary cap there. Um, players like Marcus Morris, for example, in with the Clippers, did not have bird rights, um, but Morris was at such a high number his salary that the, the Clippers were able to give him a 20% raise off that. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about building it. As we've talked about the trade front with Schroeder, free agency with Harrell and um, Wes Matthews, um, you know, different exceptions that fit in there. You can claim a player off waivers, sign in trades. Um, we've seen um, certainly um, be more, more prevalent um, this year. Um, but I would say that, yeah, there's probably about 10 to, 10 to 12 different ways that you can build at a roster. Hey, if you want to be a team that just wants to build through the draft, you can do that. I mean, you can go the route that Atlanta had done before this past offseason with Trey Young and John Collins and Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter and players like that. Um, there are more teams like um, 
Brooklyn, who has kind of done the draft and now went through free agency last year when they added Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving um, when they had cap space. But I think the, the I don't want to say the easiest, but the more organic way to do it is is through the draft, hit on your draft picks, have cap flexibility. Because as you know, these rookie contracts are at such low value. Um, you're on, you have them for four years. And then when you have cap space, like Miami has done and to get a, um, you know, a player, uh, maybe next off season, you have Tyler hero and in the past bam out of bio on these good contracts. So uh, me coming into the NBA as a coach in 1979, 80 came in with the great Larry bird and magic Johnson explain for our younger listeners. When you say bird rights, what that yeah. means. <laughs> Yeah, so bird rights is, is is something that you accrue. It's almost we call it, it's almost like years of service. So if you're on that roster for three years um, without changing teams in free agency, um, you accrue bird rights. Um, the bird rights carry over if you are traded, like Anthony Davis was traded from New Orleans to um, to the Lakers here. Um, bird right, they all you also accrue if you're a first round pick and you have signed. Um, a, a rookie scale with that team. By the time you're you're hitting free agency, you'll have four years um, four years of service. You'll be on that roster for four years. So that allows you to exceed the salary cap to re-sign your own free agents. That's that's what bird rights is. Non bird rights, two years uh, to one less year. Um, you can still exceed the cap, but it's it's limited as far as um, you know, 175% of your salary or the average player's salary um, to do that. I think what's important, coach, is is to that when you have your own free agent, um, how the rules are set up is that you can't go out and use cap space and then all of a sudden come back and sign your own free agent. Mm-hmm. Each free agent has what we call a cap hold. Okay, so if um, you know, John Smith is making $10 million and his cap hold, let's say, is, you know, I, I call it it's almost like a credit against your bank account, right? <laughs> or a debit against your bank account yeah. where you need to go out and, you know, you can sign you can sign players with cap space and then come back and sign John Smith. Um, but it, the, how the rules work, you know, um, I'll give you an example. Everybody's asking me about Giannis, right? Giannis next year. And why did, why did, um, AD and LeBron, you know, sign these uh, extensions or these long-term contracts. Couldn't they have just, you know, taken a pay cut or couldn't we, they've just gone into free agency, sign Giannis and then sign LeBron and AD. And the answer is no, they, they, you know, certainly if they wanted to take a pay cut, they could have, but Le- because of LeBron and AD's cap hold as free agents would have basically equaled about $80 million, that counts against your salary cap. Mm. So if you've got Giannis making... Thirty-four, thirty-five million dollars, and the cap is one hundred and fifteen or one hundred and twelve. Let's say, you know, you can do the math there that you won't have cap space. Cap space because those two players with their cap hold counts against the cap. Wow! All right, so now we're gonna we're getting out of the uh, math part of our, uh, our podcast, but explain. You hit on it a little bit. So uh, the NBA salary cap this year is what amount? 109. So what happened was is that with the pandemic and the revenue loss, the league and the, the Players Association reached an agreement where they left the salary cap flat. Um, it was 109 in last year. Uh, the luxury tax was one is 132.7. Um, so the, the, it's, 
it's flat from the previous year. And that's why you see the Golden State Warriors tax bill really high, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets tax bill high. Uh, the good thing for those teams is that there's an agreement in place that based on the decline in revenue, you're going to get a tax break. <laughs> you're going to get a tax break at the end of the year based on what happens. But um, So the agreement between the Players Association and, and the NBA was to leave the, the cap flat in exchange um, escrow. So player, players get 10% escrow taken out of their pay normally in every year. Um, that is used to kind of balance the books. It's a 50-50 partnership, right? So if players are receiving more than that 50% of revenue, the escrow comes in and kicks in, and that, that brings that number down. Now, the escrow is increased to 20% um, for this upcoming year, which could equate to about $800 million in player salaries that's going to be put into this account here. In case we you know, lose a, an, an extreme amount without fans in, in the building here. So that's the escrow amount. And, and what the agreement is in place is that um, the, the cap can increase at a minimum 3% for 2021-22, at most 10%. Likelihood is that we're going to see the cap go from 109 to 112 based on the finances here. And that's going to be for the next few years here. And that will probably carry you um, into when there's a new CBA in place in 2023. Why, why they do this, why they're doing this is because we always base revenue, we base the salary cap, cap off revenue from the previous year. Well, if we were basing the salary cap off revenue from 2019-20, which declined significantly, the salary cap would have been probably about $90 million. Right. And the luxury tax would have been like $110 million. And it would basically... That two weeks of fun we had in free agency, we would have been at a standstill here. There would have been no spend. Teams wouldn't have been able to spend that at all. So we've artificially set the cap. We boosted it up here. Um, we base it's like almost pumping money into the system, right? Yeah. That we um, that teams were allowed to use, um, you know, uh, money this off season in uh, in free agency. We still saw a lot of big contracts here, and now for next season which is 2021 we're going to see a minimal increase to about 12, 12 112 million which is a, a three percent increase the question bobby is uh, for the escrow uh, for a player let's say that makes 20 20 million dollars so four million of his salary 20 percent would yeah. then just be held uh he might never get that money in theory yeah, the likelihood is you probably, probably won't, won't get right? it. Yeah. Um, it's deducted starting. Um, it's, you know, most players are paid over twelve months, right. um, so it's deducted over the first six page, uh, six months of their um, contract. Yeah, you know, pay tw- you know twelve cycles here. Um, it's basically uh, what they're doing now. I believe is that the teams usually the league with with how it has the escrow in an account. Now the teams would be able to uh, have this this money in account that they can use to pay bills or offset you know loss that they're coming in. So certainly, if they don't have ticket sales coming in, and the likelihood is that they will not um, they will not see this right. money back um, where maybe last year they would have gotten some back. What would have happened if they had not did not reach an agreement is that the league could have just come in here and said, you know what, we're going to take forty percent. This year, we're going to whack you pretty hard. Um, you're, you know, you're going to get half of what you're you're owed, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, for 2021 and future years, then your salary becomes full again. Um, instead, <laughs> you know, the 20% escrow helps now. It also helps in the future. So, basically, if if there's an 800 million dollar loss, 
where we've got to equal out that 50-50 split. Um, that's where that money is going to go. And we'll see what happens in 2021 if the escrow stays at 10. Can't, it cannot go any more than, than 20%. That's part, of the, uh, that's part of that agreement there. That's but yeah, that's, um, you know, that, was, that was the agreement that both sides reached. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players' mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Okay, so on your Twitter uh, feed, I, I, you mentioned that each, uh, for the league, 30 teams, 600 roster spots. Yeah. Uh, and it, is that for this period now till the game start? Yeah, so we're in this, I guess, this truncated offseason that goes until December 21st, which is the day before the season, where um, you teams are allowed to have 20 roster spots, um, 30 teams. That includes your two two-way players here. Um, you know, we've had, I think, 94% of the roster spots are filled right now. It's over 560, which is a really high amount. And um, that's going to get down to, you know, um, you know, somewhere around 480, I would say. So we're going to see about 100 wa- waivers in the next couple weeks here. The interesting thing, Coach, is that there's there's a couple ways to go about the signings. You know, the typical standard contracts, the LeBron James, Anthony Davis is overall. It's the two-way players, which we've seen. Um, I think we've got 53 out of 62 way spots are filled. Uh, we've seen a lot of second round picks. Um, Tyler Bay went to Colorado, who was picked by the Mavericks, was picked. I think 36 is on a two way, which is kind of rare. They've changed the two way rules this year where they've, they usually had capped you at 45 days. Um, you know, you get a few, you get a, basically a $79,000 flat salary. And then you got a, a, a per day stipend of about $5,000 for how many days you're on it on the roster. We, they've eliminated that. Um, now you can be on the roster for 50 games, which helps, you know, with the flex from a flexibility standpoint, they don't want, um, you know, we don't know where the G league season is going. They want uh, two way players more with the parent club here. So you can earn a base salary of about 450,000, which is uh, ha- uh, 50% of what the minimum salary player would earn. Um, and then you, we, we, we hear this number exhibit tens, right? Yes. What is an exhibit 10? And well, an exhibit 10 is a, it's a standard NBA contract, but they've got a language in there that, um, you can earn a bonus for $50,000. 
if you once you're waived, you go play for that G League team of uh, you know if you're the Knicks and you're playing in Westchester for, for their G League team, you got to spend 60 days there and you'd earn this bonus. Well, here's the catch: we don't know if there's a G League season at all, right? So that bonus could be voided if there is no G League season, and that's why. I'd said uh, over the weekend, you know, we when when these Exhibit 10s started, I think the first year we had about 130 players on Exhibit 10s. Wow. This year we're about at about 50, right? There's just not that many teams or agents that are willing to sign their players for the exhibit, these Exhibit 10s because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the G League. But the interesting thing with roster spots, and and I've pretty been I've been upfront about it, is that we see a lot of players, veterans that. Um, finished the season on rosters, John Henson, um, Brandon Knight, Jan Mahinmi, Jordan McRae, Emmanuel Moutier, right, that are out there looking for, uh, out there looking for jobs. And we see it every year where, you know, the NBA draft comes along. This year, we've got 29 out of 30 first round picks signed. Um, I believe we've got 15, uh, 20 out of 30 second round picks signed. Those guys come in and they take jobs. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 an unforgiving business where it's kind of that next man up where we've got this young class that comes in here and they take jobs from from the veterans because it's not like we're expanding rosters to now. You know, teams can carry twenty players during the regular season. It's still at the fifteen for the for the uh, you know roster, and then you can add another two two uh, two way players. As I tell all the college kids. No one in the NBA graduates. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That, well, and that's the other thing too, Coach, is that you know when you talk to draft prospects who are you know even the, the first rounders, you, you know you, you have to hit it. Say like, hey, once you get drafted, that clock starts right away, right? Because yeah. you could be out of the league in two years because how the rookie contracts are. You're you know for first round picks. It's a four year contract. The first two years are guaranteed, and years three and four are team options. Right. And if you don't produce, um, and we, you know, there, you know, Josh Jackson's a great example, who's now in Detroit, who was a you know top four, top five pick in Phoenix, and and you know was really inconsistent, had some off court, um, you know, issues. Um, he was basically kind of on his last leg in his in, in the NBA, and winds up going to Memphis and spends most of the year in um, with their G League team, the Hustle, and uh, comes back to the big big club and plays well. And he parlays that into a, you know, a two-year, you know, almost $10 million contract with the Pistons here. So you can't take for granted just because you get drafted that you're going to be in this league forever. Because as I said, next year is a group of freshmen or sophomore in college right now of 50 to 60 players that are going to take jobs next whatever the draft's going to be next July. Um, and that's just the nature of how the cycle goes. This question is for uh, high school AAU coaches that are listening to us. Okay. For those that want the rule to change with the players association and the league that we let high school kids into this league, uh, having worked with the players association for 10 years, I told them we will have 200 High school players put their yeah. name in if they do that. And it will just be something like we never have had because we'll, we won't have any jobs for people. Uh, and these kids aren't ready, and the coaches, they don't want them because they can't help them win. Sure, we'll take two or three. That's it. You know, That's just my feeling as having been a coach and a front office guy that uh, I just I want us to be like the baseball draft. I'll take the guy that's the 
the best pitcher in college baseball. I'll take him on my, you know, that those kind of guys. I'll take the best player in high school baseball, uh, you know, the top five picks. But I don't want second rounders to be all high school kids uh, because they're just not going to make it. No, it's a good point. And I think in the day and age of information, um, if we open, a, and I, I think we'll probably get there eventually. I don't know if it's going to be 2023 or 2024. It's going to be interesting what happens. Um, this, you know, this G League select team that's based in California, you know, we've got about four or five potential first rounders that, you know, players that elected not to go to, to college who would be, um, you know, freshmen uh, this year and are getting paid, you know, pretty good money between four hundred and five hundred thousand. The goal was that they were going to be playing against um, other G League teams. We're kind of in that wait and see mode here. But it's it's funny, you know, that's and we'll talk about this down the road, but um, you know, when I talk to a lot of these draft prospects about, hey, if that opportunity was for with for you a year ago or two years ago and you were in high school, would you have taken advantage of it? And, and the majority of them said no, that they really wanted to go through um, the, the college experience or playing maybe internationally if you're um, LaMelo Ball here. But, yeah, I mean, we I lived through the, the high school age of Kobe and Tracy McGrady and, um, you know, players like that. Those players were a rare breed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the Kobe and Tracy were – Kevin Garnett – were a rare breed, but for so many, as many success stories, where for Kobe, there was a lot of stories of players who never got drafted at all, or got drafted in the second round and never made it, and who knows where they are right now. And I think a lot of it's about information. I, I mean, it's hard for me to think that the league all of a sudden is going to expand the draft to go to three or four rounds when we're looking at what fifteen roster spots here. You know, we actually signed these players during the pandemic too, which really, well, you're right. which yeah. is really no, suspect a great point. why we did that, you know, uh, not, not realizing that we, and, you know, not having a season in the G League, you know, what, what, what are we going to do with these kids? I, I don't know what the heck you do with them, uh, to be honest with you. But let me ask you this, something that almost a phenomenon, we all know about trade exceptions. But yeah. have you ever seen trade exceptions of the size that we've had now? <laughs> I know it's like a, it's like a big gold chain you get, right? Like the, uh, <laughs> the turnover chain at the Miami. University of Miami. Like we're going to give that to Danny Ainge in Boston and Sam Presti, right? They get to wear this big trade exception change here. No, I've never uh, I've never seen um, that large amount. And what we're talking about here is so when Boston um, did the sign and trade with Charlotte. Uh, Gordon Hayward's contract uh, was his, in his first year was twenty eight point five million. Because the Celtics were not getting any salary back, they all of a sudden they create this what we call a trade exception. So it's for twenty eight point five point five million, and the Celtics have the uh, right to use this exception for one year. So next uh, end of November, it will expire. That you can acquire a player in a trade or claim a player off waivers. You cannot sign a player um, to who is a free agent contract, um, and you can trade for him. And it's kind of an ex, it, it's a kind of another resource. We saw in um, Golden State, we talked about it at length about this big seventeen million dollar trade exception that they had created when Andre Iguodala was traded to the Grizzlies, and when uh, free agency started, they acquired Kelly Oubre because Clay Thompson had gotten hurt, but. 
in the, in the warrior situation, you know, that comes with a significant cost, right? I think we call Kelly Oubre like the $80 million player <laughs> because the salary and the luxury tax costs, um, you know, uh, associated with that. Um, you're seeing that in Oklahoma City with uh, Sam Presti, who runs their basketball operations. He has created these two big trade exception. One was um, in the uh, Danilo Gallinari trade to Atlanta, um, where he created a $19.5 million trade exception. And then when Steven Adams was sent to um, the Pelicans, he created a 27 point, let's say $27.5 million trade exception here that, hey, Sam's got the, the, um, the right to use for another year. The interesting thing um, about trade exception is that I had done some research about it because everyone's like, well, how valuable are they? They're valuable, but let's not get caught up. I think there's been 900 trade trade exceptions that have been created, I think, since 2001. Do you know that 75% of the time they don't even, never get used <laughs> at all? I think I that they just can. go to waste here. I think I think these exceptions will probably go get to get to get some value out of it just because of how big they are. Um, but because you cannot sign a player in free agency and, you know, example, like, um, we talked about it earlier about the hard cap, right? The, the, the Celtics are hard capped because they signed Tristan Thompson to a mid-level exception that exceeds 5.7 million. Well, the Celtics have this big $28 million trade exception, but they're not allowed to use the whole full amount because they would exceed the hard cap. I think they're only allowed to use this year $20, $21 million, and they would also become a tax-paying team here. So as I said, it's a great resource to have. You never know that a team that's willing to dump um, a contract at the trade deadline or if Danny Ainge can use it next offseason, which is maybe August um, August or September, um, because you do have the full year to use it. The interesting thing is that um, when the in your in your pricing, well, wait a minute. The, the Hornets could have just signed Gordon Hayward outright. They had cap space, and yes, you're correct. But to help the Celtics create this trade exception, they got two future second round picks just for you know just for creating that exception because um, they were doing the Celtics kind of a favor. Here. Yeah, right, exactly. Hey, we we have a situation where at the end of the year when we have players you know as they sometimes do are a little disgruntled or you just see that Oklahoma City you can see a mile away they're going to rebuild their roster Billy Donovan leaves because of that uh, then you know you see that Gallinari's a free agent Sam has no interest in re-signing him uh, you know he wants to he wants to dump Schroeder you know and CP3 he's got two years left at you know like 80 plus million uh, so you know you know, and Stephen Adams at twenty-seven and a half million. If he's going to redo his roster from the highest payroll in the league, he he wants to do it. So there's a lot of what I used to call untradeable contracts. Yeah, and boy, am I a dumbass because I just <laughs> I, I, I found out there is no such thing. I was, on, I was on radio on um, ESPN um, with Freddie Coleman um, yeah. before the draft, and they they teased me about it because I. I they played the audio last week when John Wall got traded, and I, how I had said that the Wall contract was was really to- I called it toxic just yeah. because you know John was owed 130 million dollars and he hadn't played since December uh, of 2018 right. because of the injuries. So um, and and and, and I, I still agree that it was toxic, but as as you say, it only takes one team, right? It only takes another team for a disgruntled. Um, superstar and that's russell westbrook in houston 
um, to kind of match up the salary. I don't, I don't think if, if, if there wasn't a Russell Westbrook out there, I think it would have been really hard to move John because if teams would have had the, you know, trade 33 million, $34 million of contracts just to get to acquire him. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there are, um, Al Horford's another good example. Oof. Al Horford's a yeah. good, nice player. Yeah. Great but guy. Al Horford with, yeah. you know, $70 million left on his contract is, is there's not a, great appetite but as you said in with Oklahoma City Oklahoma City is going was going in a different direction they had that year with Chris Paul and they had a great run of we all thought they were gonna you know kind of fold after the Paul George trade after the Westbrook trade to Houston um, and you know you get in as a you know a, a, what a five seed and you you know you go to seven games here and the amazing thing with Sam Presti is that it feels like he's got like a roster roster salary cap clock on each player, right? <laughs> that the alarm goes off where it's like, okay, you know, it's now time to trade Chris Paul. He made All NBA. He's although he's you know the, there's value for him. Stephen Adams, he's on an expiring contract. Dennis Schroeder, he's on an expiring contract, and he knows the exact time when to flip them. And if he waits any longer. Who knows what happens with Chris Paul this year? Maybe he gets, gets injured, hurt. and that, yeah, right. and now we go, and now we go back to probably how we talked about Chris Paul two years ago, right? Chris Paul's that contract's terrible, yeah. right? Chris Paul can't stay healthy. Now we're saying, well, Chris Paul, you know, he had a great year. He's going to do wonders in Phoenix. Who cares? He's owed eighty million dollars, right? <laughs> like it's just the nature of, um, it's just the nature of the beast of how we talk about it, and. I think the lesson for contracts is any player could get traded, right? Any contract is tradable. Are there more, are there contracts that present a huge challenge like John Wall? Yes. Like Al Horford? Yes. But there are, there are certain circumstances where teams are looking to go in a different direction. I think it's, I think it would have been a lot harder to move John Wall during the season if John Wall played and got hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the lesson for all of us that any contracts can certainly get moved. And John did a great job of marketing himself by sending once out of DC. Well, that's how it's true. Before. <laughs> I mean, that was incredible. You know, the nerve of him to say he wants to leave our friend Tommy Shepard because he hasn't done anything in two years. So I went yeah. out, you know, and, uh, but you know, I think probably having a good agent in both cases, you know, with John Wall having rich, you know, and and then with Thad, Thad for yeah, Shea Thad, having yeah. uh, Russell, I think those guys ended up doing the deal, I think, you know. You know, and I think what it was, too, for, for Russell Westbrook, it was a little bit of a wake-up call, right? Yeah. Where a year ago he gets traded from OKC to Houston. And, o- and Houston, you know, besides, you know, trading Chris Paul, you know, they had to give up, you know, a couple firsts, a couple pick swaps. And, yeah. you know, he's looking at like, that's what I'm worth now. We're now a year later, teams are like, well, no, we'll take you back in a salary dump. You know, we'll just take you back if we think you can help us, but we're not. Yeah. Washington had to give up um, a future 2023 pick future lottery protected to get them. But the, the value of Russell Westbrook has declined significantly compared to where it was a year ago. I think it was a wake-up call that there wasn't a market of 29 other teams that had interest. There was a, maybe a market of maybe two, possibly three teams. Well, you know, he can't shoot and he can't guard. Other than that, he's really good. Well, yeah. and it's going to be interesting that, you know, <laughs> which, what looks great on or looks good on paper or what, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, the Beal, Bradley Beal, Westbrook combination could be, you know, you know really good. 
But let's see when we get at the end of the games if Bradley Beal's kind of standing on the wing or in the corner looking for the ball and Westbrook's kind of going one on oh and wants to take over. I think Russell's going to have to, you know, we said it in Houston, he's going to have to sacrifice. We said it in Oklahoma City, he's going to have to sacrifice. You know, is this the year that Russell Westbrook kind of sacrifices and realizes that he's the number, you know, he's the number two guy on this team? And, you know, he's an alpha dog, right? And so he doesn't. Like, I, I remember watching this year one time, and, uh, you know, Harden always wants to bring the ball up to court, and the guy, they score a basket, and Russell runs back, and Harden says, I got it. And he goes, get your ass down the court. I got I'm bringing it up. You know, and he just didn't harden on his way, you know. And he's that kind of guy. And he and he's really a bad decision maker. I mean, really bad decision maker for a guard with the ball all the time. So it's going to be a very interesting fit, you know, because Brad is such a catch-and-shoot kind of guy and, and a great kid and all that. So it's really going to be amazing. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class. It can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next fast model purchase. You know what? One of the things that I, I I'd like you to comment on is uh, the Lakers. We talked. You did a great job yeah. talking about them early. But why does Anthony Davis? You know why doesn't he do? You know same agent. Yeah. You know why doesn't he do the LeBron deal of always taking the two year deals? You know and stuff and you know opting out after one and you know keep trying to bump himself up. What was the thought process on the five-year with a four-year out? You know how they looked at it? They looked at it as in an eight-year window, uh, how Rich Paul and uh, his group uh, in, in Los Angeles with, uh, with AD. And AD had a lot of different options, and that's, that's probably why you saw this kind of drag out a little bit here, where uh, Anthony Davis right now is eight years of service. Um, which means he can sign for thirty percent of the of the cap of the in which he did. He signed a five year, 
$190 million contract. has got an early termination after the fourth year here. So he can be out in free agency you know, down the road here when I think he's maybe 31, I want to say. Yes, so he's exactly. got another crack at the apple here, I think, coming if he can stay healthy. The other option that AD could have gone was, I call it the two plus one, where he could have done a three-year contract with a player option after the second year, and that would have put him in free agency in, in the um, the 2022 offseason. Why that was important is because Anthony Davis now would have had 10 years of service, Okay. What's 10 years of service means that Anthony Davis would have been eligible for 35% of the um, of a max contract and would have gotten a bigger pay uh, increase here. So he kind of stunned, I don't want to say stunned, but he caught us a little bit off guard because he did the the five-year and locked him in and in, in bypassed that. And it's interesting, when you do the math on this, and I don't want to get all complicated here, because this salary cap is staying flat for the next couple years here, Anthony Davis at the end of the day is probably only really going to lose about $5 million in that two-year that two year period on this contract, current contract, compared to him signing that, that um, for 35%. And I say that because it's not like the cap is going to go from 112 to 125 in 2022. I mean, we're going to look at a, a probably a $115 million cap here where you know, the 30% versus 35% comparison is not as big as it could be. And if you're Anthony Davis, you're looking at it, wait a minute, we've got a new CBA probably that's going to start in 2023. We all think eventually revenue is going to be, you know, um, back to where it was normal, uh, you know, where it was before COVID came in. We've got a new TV contract that's going to be coming up, you know, in the next couple of years here. Well, let me do. Let me lock myself into knowing that I've got four, five years guaranteed, four years, you know, potentially with the Lakers, and then I can become a free agency. Instead of going this short-term route, where and he said it out front, "Hey, I haven't been the healthiest guy out there, right?" Like, um, what happens after if I get hurt, and now I've got three years of guaranteed money versus five years of guaranteed money here? So. I think he looked at it from a health standpoint. I think he looked at it from a big picture standpoint that um, four years from now, um, if he's still playing at this all NBA level, he's going to be able to kind of get that another bite of the apple here. Um, And that's kind of the the direction he did. Makes so much sense. Uh, Gordon Hayward uh, getting four years at that, that kind of money. uh, Absolutely amazing. Took me by surprise getting that, I thought he could get a three-year deal. I was shocked that he got a four. Is that surprising to you? Yeah, it's it's surprising. It's it's and it's um, when Mark when Mark Bartlestein, who whose agent is, and you know when he opted out, people are like, well, wait a minute, he's leaving thirty-four million on a table. Like, and I said, wait a minute, you got to know who Mark Bartlestein <laughs> he is. He never leaves a dime. <laughs> Mark Bartlestein is not going. Mark Bartlestein is not going to opt a player out of his contract to go take ten million dollars or fifteen million dollars yeah. and. The big picture was well, how I looked at the Hayward contract was that he was willing to um, take a loss this year to make it up in years two, three, and as you said, we you know we wound up getting a fourth year where his salary went from thirty four to twenty one and a half. So you're looking at like a six million dollar uh, decline, but at the end of the day, he wound up getting another ninety million dollars guaranteed that wasn't assured. If he had just played out this contract in Boston on on an expiring, especially for a player 
with his uh, with his um, you know health I- issues two out of three years with the Celtics. So I am surprised that he did get four years. Um, I wasn't surprised at this, the number starting just because of knowing Mark that he'll get him as close as possible as what he opted out of here. But I think you teams get a little bit um, in trouble when um, when you sign a player based off what he has done in the past or the last four, three or four years, not what's based off where we, where that player could be in year three or four. And that's a big number. I mean, it's a $30 million cap hit for Charlotte. And um, I think if you're the Hornets, you're looking at, you know, how do we go from 30 wins? We've got LaMelo ball. Now we've got Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, um, miles bridges. Um, can we jump into that playoff um, conversation right now? Um, I think they'll be in the conversation here, um, but it's a it's a really rich contract, and it came at a cost because you had to waive you know Nicholas Batum, who was owed twenty seven million dollars this year, and they took the waive and stretch provision, which you take the Batum twenty seven million dollars and you stretch it out over three years, so you've got a nine million dollar dead cap hit. So essentially, you know you're paying Gordon Hayward this year. Thirty-eight million dollars, right? When you factor exactly in the between right. number, you know, thirty-nine million next year, and it's a, it's a big number. But coach, I've been there. I've been part of rebuilding teams. It's <laughs> yeah. like you, you get to a point where like you're like you know, um, Jay, uh, James Borrego, he don't care what Gordon Hayward's making in two thousand twenty-three. He cares about what Gordon Hayward can bring to this roster, and will they be a better team? They will be a better team. Um, for me, I look at the, the big picture approach of it. Um, I'm not gung ho about that third or fourth, uh, that third or fourth year there. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. As the coach, frankly, you care less. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's funny we, whenever you when you talk to teams, um, and I we, and I joked when I was with the Nets too, and we talk about draft picks. Like, well, shoot, I'm not going to be here in 2025 anyway. So who cares? Where, you know, who cares where that team's going to, you know, where that roster is going to look like, or what that draft pick's going to be look like? You know, you kind of have a little bit of blinders on because you. Yeah. It's easy for us to, you know, we're not in the, I'm not in the, the soup or I'm not in the, you know, the, you know, my two feet in the deep end here because of you are looking to develop your own players. You're looking to win games. You're looking to get into the playoffs. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how teams are looking at it. Uh, James Harden. How would you like yeah. to be Steven Silas taking over the team today? I, I wouldn't. And you know what? And I want to, I don't, I know we live in a country where it's um, innocent before you know proving guilty here and you know the Harden situation bothers me uh I think it's selfish as far as what's going on right now uh, pictures documented him being I don't know where Las Vegas or Atlanta not wearing a mask these protocols that the league has worked tirelessly 150 pages to, to protect players I don't know when we're going to see James Harden on a, on a court because of you know he's going to have to go through the protocols of um, you know, either some type of quarantine period, working out by himself here. You know, you got Steven Silas, um, rookie coach, but, you know, not rookie to the league, but has certainly paid his dues. And now he's walking into a situation where he has, you know, as of this podcast, you know, uh, James Harden has not posted yet. And we're, you know, four or five days from preseason starting and two weeks from the first regular season game. So, I, I just think it's a selfish move by James Harden right now. Um, it's interesting. He's owed, you know, he's got three years left of his contract. He's not an expiring contract. 
you just did the John Wall trade. You got the Marcus Cousins. You you have um, PJ Tucker back. Uh, you got Eric Gordon back. Uh, I still think it's a playoff roster, but the front office they're in a tough position here um, because of a player that you know is, is somewhat making a little bit uncomfortable for them right now. All that just to get some Lou Williams chicken wings. I mean, you know, to get. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and, and Lou Williams paid the price. You yes, know, they did. put him in quarantine for what ten days here, yeah. and and that's you know that's one of the big things that you know when that Clipper team kind of really never meshed um, was somewhat of a, a big reason here. But yeah, the Harden situation certainly, certainly a guy that we look up to as a top three, top four sure. player in the NBA, and to not be in camp right now, basically for no reason at all. In a COVID era where it's not like you can just show up and start practicing the next day, it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Uh, if you decide to trade him, and Raphael Stone, welcome to the yeah. NBA, welcome as a GM to make that move, you know, uh, if, and, and Tillman Fertetta, I mean, as an owner, we know how they think, uh, you know, it's a hard thing. You know, you're never going to get value for James Harden as great as he is. You just can't get it, right? No, you never do. You no, never win the trade. Never. Uh, you might you might win the trade three years from now or four years from now when those draft picks turn into something. But right from the get go, you're not gonna. You know, if you move a James Harden, um, you know when um, you know we when Denver traded Carmelo in the beginning, eventually that trade worked out for the Nuggets. Um, but when you were trading a top five player, you're not getting a top player. Usually, you're not getting a top player five player back for it. So. Right. I think if you're the Rockets and your ownership, you're looking at, okay, we just saw um, Drew Holiday in New Orleans get traded for three first-round picks and two years of pick swaps along with Eric Bledsoe and, um, and uh, George Hill. And Drew Holiday is a heck of a player, but he's not in James Harden's level. James Harden, as I said, has got three years left. Uh, Holiday basically could be a free agent in 2021. And that's at a minimum of where the bar is being set as far as if we put him out on the, on the trade market. And then now you're looking at, okay, if your team's, if you're a team like Brooklyn, right, who's been linked to them and Brooklyn without James Harden is a top, probably top three, top four team in the Eastern conference. You know, some people are predicting them sure. to you know, get to an NBA finals here. How much is, how much do you have to give up? How much do you have to gut it? In the regular season, if it's Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and multiple draft picks, are you good enough right now to get to an NBA Finals with James Harden? I think it's going to play out. It will be interesting. And what's going to be the most fascinating thing is what happens if this Nets team gets off to a 12-10 and 10 start? Right. Mm. And you're now you're thinking like, well, we've got a window here, two two year window here to get to an NBA Finals to win a championship. Now do you kind of push your chips into the middle? Because I always say the offseason is the honeymoon period, right? Sure. Everything is great. All of the draft pick we signed is great. The free agents that we signed are great. Everything we've done is great. And then you start playing games, and you lose two games. You're like, I don't know when we're going to win the next game. <laughs> you know, it's like you, know, you get a little chaos in your locker room here, and you get that going. So. I think that's what if you're Houston, that let's let play this out. Let's see where how if some of these teams panic. If does a team like Philadelphia panic and maybe offer more than maybe what they were willing to do um, a couple weeks ago? Good call, boy. That's good. I'd love the twelve and ten. That's good. Uh, 
that's pretty intriguing. Uh, last one, Bucks with Jonas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're on a timeline, right? I mean, he's got until December um, you know, 21st to sign this Supermax, $228 million. And wow. it's interesting with the Supermax, it's, it's all or nothing, right? It's, it can't be a two-year Supermax. It can't be a one-year. It's got to be five years. And um, that's what he is uh, staring down. If he doesn't sign it, um, do I think he's going to be traded? No. I always said if you have the if you have a chance to have to win a championship and have one of the best players on your roster, like even what Toronto did with Kawhi, you run it out unless sure. he tells you he doesn't want to be there. That same two hundred twenty eight million dollar contract is going to be there in um, next offseason because he's already met the criteria here, but. It's interesting. Um, it's it's an interesting because you know the moves they were able to do. They go out and get um, they you know with Drew Holiday, you go out and get DJ Augustin, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, uh, Tory Craig. Um, you've really remade remade your bench, but we don't know. We, I mean, this Bucks team before the, all they did all this had won seventy five percent of their regular season games the last two years. Fabulous. So we don't know. Like the proof is in the playoffs, and the playoffs is not going to be until May here. So. We'll see in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see today. Maybe we'll see this week as far as what Giannis's long-term commitment to this organization, or if he's going to play the the wait and see game and let's see what how this roster uh, does. Is same amount if he did it today or waits next year? Same amount. Yep. That that you know it's based off a 2021 salary cap, so it has no impact right now. Sure. Um, so it gets adjust- adjusted. We could say it's 228, and maybe the salary cap comes in a little bit higher than we think. And it just gets adjusted by that amount. Is uh, his options if he wants to go somewhere else? Is that only a four-year deal, like normal? Yeah. yeah. So the option. So if he would say, um, "I'm going to play out this season, and I'm going to sign in Dallas, for example," right? Uh, four years, one forty-five. So he's basically leaving about eighty-three million dollars, eighty million dollars on the table to, to do that, and. You know, he's another one of those guys that will have that 10 years of service, but his 10 years of service is not until 2023. Yeah. So he's got to do a bunch of short-term contracts here. So um, it's going to be interesting as far as how he goes about this. Um, yeah, Rudy Gobert is another name that's interesting. Rudy Gobert is interesting to keep because Rudy's super max eligible also. He's got until December 21st, but Rudy's different because, um, you know, he can be – and Giannis can still be extended after that date – they can be extended for twenty percent off their current salary for an additional four years. You know, I don't think you know Giannis would be going in that direction. But sure. just because if there's no deal in place with Gobert, that doesn't mean there's st- that both sides can still work out. I think it's a four-year, one hundred thirty million dollar extension. Hey, if there, you know, we, they had talked about Miami being the target. Yeah, you know, uh, by doing the Bam extension, does that do anything? Yeah, so Bam is interesting. Um, you know, Bam had a, uh, you know, because he was drafted in the middle of the first round, his cap hold was right around fifteen million dollars. His ex- his extension number um, that comes in at is right at twenty eight. So Miami basically lost thirteen million dollars in <clears throat> cap flexibility. They were sitting at a potential to have a max salary spot. Um, they're looking at probably about twenty five, twenty six million dollars in room. Could they get to that $33, $34 million number? They, they potentially could, but it's going to cost them basically gutting everything. So Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, basically everything on that roster, you'd basically be staring at Bam and, and Jimmy Butler. 
and then uh, you know, and then you basically have to fill out the roster with minimum players here. So yeah, we'll see. You know, I mean, they still have a, a good chunk of change left, and we could always throw out that you know, Florida has no state taxes, and maybe you can make a little bit back on that um, that end here. And if 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 uh, I always say, if a player wants to get to that destination, they'll find a way to do it. <laughs> if you've got twenty seven million dollars in cap space, or or thirty two million dollars, right? It's great stuff, man. Bobby, I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I could, we could, we could turn this into a, we could turn this into the last dance, man. We could do, <laughs> we could do ten episodes. You're, you're absolutely amazing, and, uh, you know, and I can't thank you enough. You're, you're, you're the best in the business, man. And I, and I, I so appreciate it. And you have done a masterclass for all our NBA fans and listeners. So thank you from everything we have at Coaching You, my friend. Thank you, Coach. And if if anyone you know who's listening, I I do keep my direct messages open on Twitter. Uh, I know that drives my yeah. wife crazy oh, because yeah. she says, why do you do that? And I said, well, I like to interact with people. And um, feel free if you follow me on Twitter, shoot me shoot me uh, questions. I always I usually respond about the cap and about what's going on in the league, and uh, I can maybe help you out there. Hey, could you? And it's at, at- can you give him your? Make sure we. Yeah, Bobby Marks forty two uh, for my Twitter handle. All right, you you are absolutely the very best, and we can't wait for the season to get started. But please, I follow him every day. He is he wakes me up with a bing every time he, he does <laughs> it. So I appreciate, it, brother. Thank you so so much. Thank you. I love doing a podcast with Bobby Marks because the knowledge, the information. Uh, that's the power of a podcast. I think learning can really take place in a huge way. And that's why I called it a masterclass. He is one of the most knowledgeable people that I know of in our business that can educate you on that. So as you're looking at why teams are being put together, go back and listen to this one again. If you're upset at what your team did or didn't do, this will be a great one for you. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. Brendan Sir.